That'd be tight. We should all go to the Masters. I'll be J- JJ. Could you set that up? <laughs> we go to the Masters. Uh, I'll set that up. I'll no, set you know that what? Up. It's funny because we we're just kind of like getting into golf. It's kind of been like a bit around here because we just don't watch it. And I know that like if we're in the white guy thirty something year old podcast demo, guess what? All those motherfuckers talk about golf. So yeah. I figured it was time we started to learn, but it hasn't stuck with me. I watched the Masters, and what I realized is I just like the grass at the Masters. <laughs> like, it's not really the golf. It's the grass. It's the beautiful landscape. It's the Sunday, like, kind of that, that light in the evening down there in Augusta. We all know you like your grass, Chris. Yeah, I knew. I, I was kind of a lob to you. First time you've ever caught a lob for a slam dunk, huh? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Truth. JJ Reddick on the show today. Shoots a lot of threes. Sleeve tack guy. Seems to be pushing away from that Duke stereotype late in life. And I like it. Also, guy spent some time in Philly. So we'll have a lot to uh, to ask JJ. Played for the Mavs this year. Luca. A lot going on in the NBA. It's a, it's a fun time to be an NBA fan. Make how we doing? Happy anniversary to you. God, and are your you lovely fucking kidding wife. me? Eight years. Oh my god. Of holy matrimony. For the record, you see happy anniversary right there, right after uh, hello. And right before we were in, we were in pre. Was that what we were in? Yeah. And you said something about happy birthdays, and I looked up and I was like, oh damn! I, I really I didn't I, want to say anything to you, bro. June twenty two, but that's in my head. It's in my head. So congrats to you and your wife. That's Thank great. You. I appreciate that. I also want to wish you and your lovely wife a happy anniversary. Uh, I also want to wish Pre. Uh, your lovely daughter a happy first birthday. Pre. I'll be the first to do that as well. You are the first. And I want to congratulate her on her, on her wedding Yeah. As, and all those things. High school graduation. Just do it right here, right now. One stop shop. Appreciate that. Yep. You want to say anything to your wife? or She already knows what I think about her because I vocalize it with regularity. With that inauthentic love you at the end of every phone call. Oh, well, I love her. She's the best. Uh, And we'll get into why she's the best, among many other reasons, um, in good, bad, and ugly. Obviously, she's going to be in the good column. Good. She ain't ugly. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, Hello. Hello. Since you want to do anniversaries, (laughs) I was going to fucking... I don't know anything about Council Bluffs, man. I know about uh, Cedar Rapids. Oh, well then, hey, there's no, there's no uh, map here. Take us wherever you like. Cedar uh, Rapids, that was a movie. Did you see that movie? I didn't see that movie, but it was funny. I was looking for people from uh, Council Bluffs, and I'm like, man, they got two jazz singers, an opera singer, a silent movie star. What is this place? It's like so cold. They just stay inside and do terrific art. They're artistic in uh, Council Bluff. Well, it turned out I was looking under the arts section of notable people. <laughs> But then I scrolled down to, to athletes and my old teammate, Ben Lieber. Uh, shout out to Ben Lieber of the Minnesota Vikings and the St. Louis Rams. As so many players at the ends of their careers uh, did spend a year on the tour bus that was the Earth City Express. 
Was that like the uh, Washington football team of our childhood? Let's let's get the let's get the locker room guys at the end of their careers. Maybe that will. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it was. It was like, hey, if if dudes wanted to make one more stop, cash one more check. Uh, I don't think they knew what they were getting in for. It's not exactly club mad. You definitely earned your check there. Um, also, the Bluffs Butcher. It's a boxer that went toe-to-toe with Joe Frazier in 72. I don't know if he went toe-to-toe, but he, he fought him. Cool, cool, cool nickname. Showing up is half the battle. Brian O'Connor's from there, uh, just across a bridge really? from uh, Omaha. Yep. Somewhere in the middle of America. It, it, literally, it's somewhere in the middle of America. Yeah, getting right to the heart of matters. Yeah. It's the heart that matters. Bromaha, Nebraska. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Better turn your ticket in. Yeah, that's right. You know, get your money back at the door. Wow. You should write lyrics. Yeah, I should. Hey, happy anniversary to my lovely wife, Meg. Layup line. I broke the I broke the code today, bro. I, hey, you gotta if you're motivated to to get shots up, like you gotta be able to hit the curveball today. Because if you need young Jock this morning, I can't help you. If you need young Jock to get forty, I can't help you. Uh, Sweet Virginia, Rolling Stones, quite possibly at this point. I, well, I'm gonna crown it. I'm Denny Green. Best Rolling Stones song. My favorite Rolling Stones wow. song at this point. Yeah, dude. It's it's catapulted. It hovers in the top five. And also the Rolling Stones are probably the band I'm, I like the most that I know the least about relative to like the general population as far as like backstories to songs and all that stuff. You know, I haven't even Googled, but, and, and that's rare for me. But like Sweet Virginia, Exile on Main Street, many people would say that double album's the best Stones, you know, project there is. Uh, to me, it's the best song on, on Take Your Pick, either album. Does it get bonus points because of your history with Virginia? I think there's a very strong uh, homerism when it comes to like hearing that song, but it's perfect. It's perfect, and yesterday I enjoyed it uh, watching some trees roll by on the, uh, on the James River there. We'll talk about your Father's Day and my Father's Day in a bit. Beast of Burden, you heard that one? Yeah, you like that one. I like that one. Wild Horses. That's a good one. Wild Horses is a couple a heavy one. Yeah. 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 How about Emotional Rescue? Mm, not familiar. You you would know it. There's We could do a whole Stones pod, but it probably is not going to be just you and I. No. I got to read the books. Like people read the books. People know all about like those guys. Like people know all about the backstories. The only backstory I ever heard that was like really crazy, and I tell this with regularity because it's like my go to stone story. People are sitting around talking about the stones, and I'm like, I know less. I didn't read Keith Richards' biography. I hear it's amazing. But uh, Gimme Shelter, which is a very chalky 1B for me, maybe. The backstory on that song is incredible. They're fighting. They're only recording. They're leaving the studio. They're not talking. They're copulating with each other's girlfriends. Mm. I think they're really having a hard time. And they're making music in the midst of it, right? Well, these guys were fighting, and Keith was one of these, you know, was on a coming down off a heroin binge, looking out the window. It's raining outside. Like, at this point, I've committed this story to memory. So if I'm wrong, you just got to tell it like it's true. And the woman that they had singing gospel on the hook of Gimme Shelter uh, was pregnant. 
And she sang such a powerful little bit on that song. I mean, it really makes the song. And they were recording at odd times of night. They would come in, not talk to each other. It was just like, fuck it, we gotta do it now. And I'm sure that was the uppers. But they were like, hey, we gotta do it now. And they called this woman who was resting uh, and her husband, I think, talked her into going in uh, because it was like, we gotta record right now. And she sung so like powerfully, she had a miscarriage. Yeah, lost the baby. But Gimme Shelter, as ominous and dark a song as that is, to like know a backstory like that, even if it's 50% true, makes the lore of the Rolling Stones incredible. Uh, and really, really, a song that's plenty deep, a little bit deeper. I thought you were going to say that you could hear Mick Jagger say woo when her voice cracks after yep. one of the things, well, but that's a lot darker. And it makes the whole thing like, when you hear that woo, you're like, oh, Jesus, dude. Yeah, they, they were a real life rock and roll band and like this, the backstories were just crazy and I only know a few of them, but hopefully you guys don't fact check me too hard on that. I think you should probably just not even corroborate the story and just go with it. You got any Rolling Stones stories? Nah, I think you, uh, I think we might have hit the saturation point on Stone stories for the A block, because that's a hell of a story. When you think about people that shouldn't be alive, and I mean this respectfully, they should not be alive. Like, you could live your whole life trying to be perfectly healthy, and you're gonna, you're gonna be going up the escalator and look down at a bunch of people smoking two packs a day, sh shooting needles in their arm, like living like rock stars. For some reason, those guys live the longest. Well, we know about them. Well, yeah, we also know about the little old lady that's 109 in like Japan as well, but I, I'm hearing about more Keith Richards. I mean, Keith Richards turning like 80 years old is like the woman in, in Tokyo turning 120. Love the Stones, need to read some books about the Stones. Hey, real quick, you wanted me to uh, talk about something that's been on your mind. Something hanging over your head, hanging over my head, hanging over Studio J, an unpaid debt. The Waffle House. So, Cowboy Reed, you want to give people an update before we move on to the rest of the pod? Yeah, Waffle House. It's going to happen. For those of you new to the show, we picked Thursday night football in the NFL. We picked the scores, the winners, the whole shebang. We the picked whole it shebang, all. 2020. Golly day, was it entertaining. And I came out on top. I was closer more often, and therefore you have to do the Waffle House challenge. You went on challenge. an incredible run. I was picking games exactly right. It was just like almost checkpoint checkpoint and so you have to spend 24 hours in a waffle house you can deduct an hour for every waffle you eat and this got uh pub over the weekend when i dm cat the guy it. i asked him to come on the pod he'll probably end up on like pardon my take or something he'll probably end up on like mad money with jim kramer but he just ignored my dm really F fucking guy dude hey listen all due respect just come on the pod help us out here i got to do this shit in uh, a month or two for the record, though, the holdup has not been me. You know, we're, you know Macon's going to sit over here and say it's me. But no, I'm not. No. I think it would be a great kickoff to the NFL season, in fact. That's what we were thinking, kind of reset people's brains. Hey, just in case you haven't heard, there's this football season coming up. And appreciate all the people on the internet giving us credit for the idea. It's, yeah, that's it's not, not true. We got it from somebody idea. else, just like this guy did. And I don't think right. anybody's touting it as their own idea. No. But we're going to do a best. Yeah, we're going to do a best because I'm going to eat at least 12, 12 waffles. Easy. I'm going to be out of there early just working from the waffle house that's all go 22 get a couple hours of work in. easy easy uh also little tease i'm not going to be reviewing necessary roughness today 
me and Coach Wookie will do that Thursday or Monday. I just didn't have time to do it. Uh, sorry. This is me not turning in my homework. Good, bad, ugly. So much good. So little ugly. Number one, you know, I, I told you my wife's awesome, just as all your wives are out there. Your wife's lovely. Uh, my wife went for 40 yesterday. Mm. I mean, she gave me a Father's Day. Like, you know how I tease that, hey, when your lovely wife asks you, what do you want to do on Father's Day? You should try it. You should really answer that question honestly because the question was asked open-endedly. And if she didn't want an answer, uh, then maybe you guys have a communication problem in your marriage. My lovely wife and I, when she asked me a question, I'm honest, and I said, well, I'd love to go tubing in the afternoon. If we go for a little hike in the morning with the boys and you could let me hit the river, that would be, that would be grand. And she did. So thank you. I had a great day on the river. And sweet Virginia uh, hit the spot on the James River. Did you bring some goldfish with you? Yeah, I brought snacks and the whole nine yards. Yeah, nice. I got to tell you, Chris. Yeah. Father's Day, I don't know that I did it right, or did I? Maybe it's my good as well, because I did a whole heck of a lot of parenting on my Father's Day. Tell you that much. And it might be different, because I'm dealing with a couple things. Child one Mm. and five-month-old. So it's sort of an all-hands-on-deck situation still. Yeah. But uh, I, I uh, I did not get the day off, so... Therefore, more time with the kid, more Did time with the Did you get the, the question? Wife. Did she pose the question? Yep. I wasn't I wasn't. Well, that's on enough. you, player. I mean, that's the thing about like life. You have to, when people ask you questions, you have to be honest. You have to advocate for yourself. If you don't advocate for yourself, who's going to advocate for yourself? If you don't tell people what you want, then how are they going to know? I think everyone will be in a better position for me to take a nap on a Father's Day when the kid is one year and five months as opposed to five months, you know? Yeah, sure. I just don't know why then you would ask the question if there's an answer that's baked in there. I I just feel like... Maybe we have a communication problem. Maybe next Father's Day. I'm not saying that, player, but maybe next Father's Day you want to... I don't want to jump on no river. I can tell you that much. Get all wet. When I called the offer, it was such a formality. That's not what happens when you get on a river. You do get wet, but you don't necessarily catch cold. Father's Day hall passes. That's a good for me. Father's Day Eve, we spent a little time together. Uh, friends, families, kids, whatnot. Power wheels were involved. And power wheels are awesome. I had some sort of vehicle as a child. And yet, my the story I tell, it was, it was stolen off the street. In retrospect, I don't think that can, that can be true. Power wheels must have been taken away from me. I think me. you just got too tall. I think you got too tall pretty quickly uh, and you probably weren't ready to let it go and they made some shit up. Your son was driving a power wheel unlike I've seen really anybody drive anything else. He is unbelievable. In complete control. Reverse, three-point turns between trees. like Turns, speed. Remarkable. Way more of a chance of being like a, B- a BMX rider or like a, a little stock car racer or something. Like he'll ri- he'll drive those little pickup trucks around a dirt track, like then being a football player. In an epic scene, he kicked a, a dude buddy out the power wheels, got a girl buddy into the power wheels. That he talks about every day. He talks about this girl every day. She has a younger sister named Redacted. His line to her was, are you... Uh, younger sister young, name. Yeah, and, and obviously the girl's like, no, I'm redacted. And he's like, oh, cool, get in. <laughs> he proceeds to... So that's game right there. Because you don't want to... It's called a neg. Yeah, is that what that is? Yeah, he was so, negging her. Yeah, he negged her. And then she gets in the thing. And he goes, you want to go fast? 
and of course at that point she's like yeah and uh to that he says fast as a horse he pulls off he rounds the corner and as he's rounding the corner he looks back over his right shoulder subsequently over her shoulder because she's mystified he's got so much game and stares at us and redacted's father as if it's not up. enough he's got the tongue in the cheek and shoots him a thumbs up and pulls around the house it was amazing I, it was like le legitimately incredible and if i wasn't more sensitive about posting pictures at this point of my kids like it's weird you get to a certain point on instagram you're like i don't really want to po post about my kids anymore i hear you yeah it's like but the video does exist and by the way yeah the video do does exist and it's remarkable i wish i could show you but um I, uh, I'm afraid of strangers and uh, creepy people. I was on the lookout for injuries, overturned oh. vehicles, etc. Really because I wanted a shot at it and I never did. Actually, I tried to ride shotgun with Waylon there for a bit and, and, and he put up quite a fight and uh, told me I was too big. We couldn't really get any momentum going. You probably weigh about the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> two of us can't get that thing going. Hey, Virginia baseball. Virginia baseball, 1-0 and in Omaha so far, beating uh, number three national seed, Tennessee, 6 Incredible. I don't think we saw that coming. Nah, uh, I nah, didn't see nah. it happen either. I was on the river. We tried to get on the radio. I couldn't. That was a major fumble on my part. The Who's our Cinderella of sorts being a, a three seed in their regional, losing the first game there, losing the first game in Supers, and now they're the little engine that maybe can in Omaha. It's incredible. These big boys. It's incredible. It's incredible the year of the cinderella i don't even know if that's true i just said it well the hawks are still in the playoffs we figure got, it out we got these basic bitch nba teams running around <laughs> well in the see i have four. that i have that in good i have that under my good i've got basic basketball teams as my good i mean it's been 50 years since we knew coming into the final four of the nba which is fun that's a fun time like conference finals is really fun in the nfl to me that's when like Christmas is about to end. Like you're like, damn, there's only two games, you know, and they're great games, but you know, as soon as they end, you've got this corporate event that, you know, 30 team fan bases are not into the same way. And so you feel that buzz kind of wear off, but because of the nature of series play and seven game series and like the drama that builds and the interpersonal battles that you can kind of weave together with, hey, presser, I don't like this guy we can dice it up for 48 hours that's what makes like focusing it on two monster series really awesome when it comes to the nba as a fan for me so i love this time and i love chaos and i hate that it's happened because of injuries uh, we will ask our guest jj reddick about like the burnout factor and that sort of thing but i think it's so cool to see these four teams that have all not won an nba title before it's been 50 years since you had that certainty that a new champion would be crowned uh, in about a, I don't know, it feels like probably a month here as mm -hmm. long as this thing drags out. But yeah, it's cool. Bucks, uh, Hawks, Clippers, and the, and the damn Suns, who are a lot of fun. And here's the thing. Here's why the NBA can be okay here when we're talking about stars being out. There are so many stars in that game. If you think about, we talked about this with Ryan Rosillo, how hard is it to say who the top five players in the league are? When you got the MVP, who's arguably not a top five player in the league, like you've got a good problem. And so they've done a nice job in the era of super teams, quote unquote, of dispersing their stars. And you've got a star in the making, if he's not already one, in Devin Booker, 
But if he played in New York, forget about it. Um, and you've got Giannis, who, if you know, he is a star certainly. But where his real value is, is everybody's going to talk about him. Like you have people chanting, you know, counting to fifteen as he's shooting free throws right now. You've got he's like first take crack cocaine, dude. Like you can't get enough of it. Uh, Over analyzing Giannis, and on the other side of it, you've got Trey, who's as electric a player to watch a creating kind of guard, a little guy. They just don't, I don't feel like they thrive as much in the game anymore. Strangely, because the game's not as, as big anymore. I could be wrong, but it's really cool. It's fun to watch these stars. Uh, you, you certainly, you'd like to have LeBron and those guys in here. And ironically, the one team that was the closest to a super team when Kawhi joined it with Paul George looks nothing like it and the novelty there is that you might have a team that loses without Kawhi or wins without Kawhi rather and we don't know how long the timeline on that injury is yeah weirdly we don't know some say that he's he's toast some say that he could be back any day but yeah a couple interesting series Clippers had to play right away it it, it felt like they earned the right for a little break after uh, closing out the previous series, but you got a bill's got to be paid ABC Sunday afternoon game. As you, as you know, I I was like, damn, that game was late last night. It was so late. It was at three 30 in the afternoon. I was like, I didn't even know the game happened. Well, here's the problem. I got on the river and the service didn't work as well as I thought I had this whole, like, Oh, I'm going to get on W I N a here. Listen to the, the uh, baseball game, certainly I didn't know about a basketball game, but I didn't know about much by the time I got off that river. I know I said earlier this week that like, hey, sometimes dudes want to fuck off and just go to the river. That was not foreshadowing. Um, actually, to be fair, a friend brought up the tubing trip as an mm. idea, and I just complied. Mm. Uh, and my wife, who is lovely, said, yeah, take the day off. Anyways, we don't have to talk about Father's Day. You can move on from Father's Day. Okay, I'll go to bad since, yeah. we're, mm-hmm. since we're circling oh, wait, the wait, wait. Can I do one good thing real quick? Can I try to fit it in two minutes here? Okay. This NCAA victory. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's not an NCAA victory. It's a victory for NCAA NCAAL. You know what I should start doing, though, is like when I say NCAA, we're really talking about the athletes. I don't want to slander them by slapping that acronym on them. Uh, when it comes to be but like they are the ncaa the suits they're just trying to hang in there and the lifting of the financial uh, cap on you know educational type resources that they've had on these athletes supreme court uh just levy that decision i guess this morning they said hey ncaa man like you saying to us that hey look our reasoning for having this cap is that we don't want our fans to think that players are getting paid that's really a bad, bad line to run with because number one, we know it's not true. We know it's all about money and the slippery slope, which I'll get to in a second. But also, if you're taking advice from your fans and they're upset that players are getting compensated more uh, so that they can secure supplies uh, to meet the goal that you say is the most noble thing about amateurism, which is walking with a degree, like, don't you think it's getting more expensive to get your textbooks and and electronics and iPads and and all that stuff. Yeah, this isn't just about this. It's also about the thing down the road. This is the thunder in the distance before the big storm. And the Supreme Court's looking at the NCAA. I I feel like they're looking at them like Denzel at the end of training day. Like, we can't help you. They're in the cul-de-sac. Like, sorry, dude. Your reasoning's not good enough, and we're not standing in between, um, you know, the athletes and getting what they need in the classroom, and probably a little ways down the line here, when it comes to compensating these young working Americans. So I'm 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 excited about it. 
because like I said, it's the thunder in the distance. It's not here yet. But my guys just alerted me, and I forgot about this, that July 1st in Alabama and Florida, of all places, we'll see how this goes. Um, well, they're already getting paid there. <laughs> that players are going to be able to uh, benefit off their likeness. Another thing that if you're against, you're just not an American. And now these student athletes have mobility too with yeah. the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, uncharted territory for college sports, but, but Am amateurism's gone. Yeah, just like just just you know, and and that's that's perfectly okay with me. It's like, yeah, sure. Did I love? The predictability of seeing players and at one school and all that stuff it's fun it's fun as a fan but like you know your inconvenience uh it can't be more important than people putting food on the table no doubt hey what do you think bama and schools like that do at this point well now with the likeness thing i was thinking maybe they're like oh well, we got you this car that's going to get you to class We'll put that under the educational stipend that we just passed. Here's a subscription to Netflix. You just watch one of those war documentaries. You can watch all the Netflix you want on there. Driving Audis 101. <laughs> just new, a new class. Just a class. At Florida State. It's just loosely based on the occurrences of, of, of June 21st. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, it'll be interesting to see how people stretch it. I don't know. I'd love to get somebody on here to talk about like, what this means in the meantime before the big decision comes down how people are going to do mental gymnastics to try to make this work or not work but it's a big victory for student athletes a little bit of bad uh hmm can we spin it was that a great pass by ben simmons under the hoop when he might have had a uncontested dunk to perhaps tie that ball game trey young was running at him listen i feel bad for ben simmons there's something going on there where in his brain he's just not courageous enough to overcome what whatever he's dealing with technically or you know when it comes to being productive on that team or like fixing his shot or his shot has kind of plateaued that's why they they paid him because they were like oh he's he's charting he's trending upwards and it's just kind of grinded to a halt and like the toughest city to to kind of run into this wall in is where he is and everybody knew when that play happened even basketball like casual fans were like damn that's not normal but i will tell you this if lebron did that and i'm just using him because he's had such spectacular games that he's he's allowed to play with house money you would be like ah he's just getting a little too fancy it's just the context of 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 the game that ben was playing the series that ben was playing you know the heat the noise and the nature of that tight ball game that made it just like inexplicable. It's not a play I've never seen before, a guy passing up an easy bucket to do something fancy. It's just a Max guy who's a big piece of this process who's not shooting the basketball in fourth quarters. No, he's not shooting the ball in the two times in like games four through seven or something. Yeah, and he can't even be in the game in the last five minutes. Can't because hit of his free throws. Throw shooting. And the way they were talking about him on TNT, they made a point. I think for us, like without being a, a basketball know-it-all, I'm like, well, there's always got to be a place for a guy that talented and who has so many skills like on one side of the ball and he can he can you know create for other people in some ways and that sort of thing but the guys on the show were like hey if they don't fix that how do you you, you can't hide a guy that can't score anymore in the nba and Dis that, that's distressed an, asset at it's the moment a, an incredibly distressed asset it's so bizarre and it's so like unique that you have this asset that you paid and it's this bad and it's not having anything to do with injury. You know, like in football, 
distressed assets happen all the time, as you put it, because there are injuries. Like the only thing that keeps a guy from being better the next contract is injury, age. Uh, well, in football, I say only, but ironically, there's five, seven things that could. In basketball, I just don't know what could keep a guy from continuing to progress. And that's where they are. And it's like jarring to watch. I mean, I, I haven't watched somebody in a, in a sporting event in a while that I was like, damn, I feel bad for this guy. And, you know, in society today, oh, he's rich. He's on TV. <laughs> All bets are off. I can. You know what the funny thing about the internet is? The internet is the softest, most aggressive place in the world. Can't take shit, but wants to give and be so mean to everybody. I'm just sitting here in my lane, dude. But golly, you would have thought Ben Simmons beat your kids. I, I think it's okay to say like, geez, the guy sucks at basketball right now and not make it an incredibly personal personal thing. Yeah. You, uh, you, you hope he can figure it out. Not unlike a guy named Markel Fultz, who the Sixers also drafted and seems to be rebounding, but had to do it somewhere else. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think his trade value was, was uh, well, it's never been lower. Put it to you that way. Right. Hey, do you like J.J. Redick? Now I do. We're all the same age, more or less. So uh, when we were teenagers, I did not. I did not one bit. I didn't like Carlos Boozer. Remember that whole thing? Stared me down. I do. I stared him down. He stared me back down. And then I sat down. In fact, I, I think teenager. I, I'm, I'm confident, I'm certain that I yelled awful things at JJ before in my life. JJ Reddick is going to join us with his sidekick, Tommy Alter, old man of the three. These guys have a great pod. These guys do lists and they do it well. You know, it's, it's hard to do lists and do it well. These guys do it well. And they talk basketball can't wait to have these guys on. Oh, I don't have to wait very long. Let's get them on right now. Hello Fresh. With Hello Fresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on Hello Fresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number 1 meal kit. Hello Fresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or less. And HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items each week, including ready-to-eat salads, sandwiches, and soups. Listen, I'm cranking out uh, you know, podcasts, reviewing football movies, I'm throwing out first pitches. Busy guy here. Uh, so quick meals are huge for me, grab and go. And as my trainer, you know that I'm trying to eat healthier, so those fresh, clean ingredients are huge for me. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GreenLight14 and use code GreenLight14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash GreenLight14 and use code GreenLight14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. What up, dogs? What's What's up, up, man? Tommy, JJ, this is Macon. Macon, what's up, man? Macon, what's up? JJ, Tommy, hello. How are you? Good to meet you. Likewise. So JJ's on, Tommy's on. Big shout out to Old Man in the Three. Legitimately a, a great listen. Like just a, just It's just two guys you want to hang out with. And uh, me and Tommy, by the way, are trying to get a hang going this summer, maybe. We are. Wrigley. Wrigley. JJ will, JJ will not be there. Well, I just knew I understood, bro. When you're an NBA guy, you can't just make trips like out in the open. It's hard, bro. Look, everybody knows this guy. JJ, what's up, dude? You have so many books in your background, and we don't have any books. 
You know what? I, I'm actually rearranging my my books right now because so all these shelves. I have a lot of empty shelves. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. Ooh, you pose. Yeah, look at it. He's off screen. Yeah, so I gotta move. I gotta move all the books from the other side of the room over here, and I'm I'm halfway through doing it. So we got a little empty space right here, but I like we're working it. Out. When is this? When is this Wrigley trip? By the way, I, this is the first I'm hearing about. Oh, that's this. awkward. Making. <laughs> remember when I told you about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been on the books for a while now, huh? <laughs> No, here's, just, here's the problem. Here's the problem with this trip. Why I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Chris and I had this idea. Chris has never been to Wrigley Field. I'm like, that's insane. It is. It is the place. The second you retired is the first place you should have gone during the summer. It to me is the best sports venue in America. We were going to go. We were like, we should invite Big Cat. We should invite Rosillo. Who? We should, we should invite. <laughs> who else do we want to invite? Titus. All these different things. Everyone has an excuse why like. Big Cat like apparently had a kid or something like some bullshit and he's like oh, yeah. I can't I can't go to Chicago to go to, go on this trip and he's so, got two kids and one of them is a four week old Tommy <laughs> and well so, you know it's small detail it's small detail Tommy have so, any kids no <laughs> that's what I know <laughs> so <laughs> so, uh, so it's probably going to be me and Chris but Chris is like going to Montana and he's being very dodgy about what he's doing there and I haven't I just don't commit to things like um, a month ahead. Yeah, so I certainly I don't like commit to things like a happen. week ahead. So a month is like way out of the, out of the realm. But Wrigleyville, it sounds so good that I'm thinking about committing. So, how about you, JJ? Is there like a bucket list stadium that you've not seen a game at in any sport that you would definitely want to go see one at? Ooh, that's a good question. You know what? I've I've recently the last year got super into golf, mm. and um, I'm I'm I've got a golf trip planned. It's Pasatiempo. Uh, Pebble Beach, mm. Cypress Point, and Spyglass Hill, and two of those are Alistair McKenzie designs, who designed the Masters. Of course, um, you know. So uh, from Augusta, of course, Augusta National. But I, for me, it would be to go to the Masters, and it's in April every year, and it's in the you know the, the end of the regular season essentially. So I've never been able to go. That's probably my bucket list is going to the Masters. That'd be tight. We should all go to the Masters. I'll be JJ. Could you set that up? <laughs> we go to the Masters. Uh, I'll set that up. I'll no, set you know what? Up. It's funny because we we're just kind of like getting into golf. It's kind of been like a bit around here because we just don't watch it. And I know that like if we're in the white guy thirty something year old podcast demo, guess what? All those motherfuckers talk about golf. So yeah. I figured it was time we started to learn, but it hasn't stuck with me. I watched the Masters, and what I realized is I just like the grass at the Masters. <laughs> like it's not really the golf; it's the grass. It's the beautiful landscape. It's the Sunday, like kind of that that light in the evening down there in Augusta. We all know you like your grass. Chris. Yeah, I knew. I, I was kind of a lob to you. First time you've ever caught a lob for a slam dunk, huh? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Truth. Chris I, a, Chris, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you play uh, any other sports when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, I played many. I was a J.J. Reddick-type basketball player. Um, <laughs> just, a lot of corner threes. <laughs> pure shooter. <laughs> just a pure, pure shooter. shooter. No, I was, we had this discussion last week. You're more week. of like a Josh McRoberts This type. was fucked up of you to say. I got nothing against Josh McRoberts at all. Sounds like an awesome dude. Somebody no, told me you were, he was you were, great. No, you were more of like a Matt Geiger. I was a poor man's Gerald Wallace. No, you were not. You had no basketball skill, and, and Gerald Wallace is a basketball player. He's yeah, a he slasher. Had we're just, we have different ideas of my game. Yes, I played lacrosse, basketball, baseball, and obviously football. How about JJ? I was a, I was a stud baseball player. Just an absolute monster on the mound. 
absolute monster. Actually, Chris, I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to get my uh, probably not this summer, next summer. I'm trying to get my youngest son into lacrosse because you know we live in we live in Brooklyn. We come out to Long Island during the summers. We're out here right now, and he's super aggressive and he's very phys- he's a very physical kid. Mm-hmm. Do you have any pointers for me on how to get him into it? Yeah, definitely. Tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him that he can hit people with that stick. Yes. So I didn't I didn't know anything about the game, but me and my baseball coach had like a difference of opinion, and I guess it was that I couldn't buy Swisher Sweets with one of the older kids' IDs <laughs> on the team. And uh, so I ended up off the baseball team, and um, I spent two years playing lacrosse. It was odd. It was like sophomore and junior year, and I went back to baseball senior year. But I never had more fun. Like, honestly, it, I, I would have kept playing if it didn't share a season with baseball. And I even had a wooden stick because I knew it would hurt a little bit more. So like I requested this wooden stick. So if you want to go next level, you know, maybe it's a little early for the wooden stick with with your little guy. But eventually in high school, that's a little insider tip. Yeah. Love that. Here's some advice, JJ. Send them to the University of Virginia back to back national champions. Yep. That's all that UVA does now. They just win national championships. That's right. That's That's right. right. We were doing a revisionist history earlier with JJ because Duke came up naturally and our disdain for Duke, but it's so far in the past that I don't even hold it against you, JJ. I, I actually think you're like one of the least Duke guys of all time. And I don't know if you take that as a compliment or this is a tricky one for you to answer. Is that a compliment or not? Least Duke guy of all time. It's it, it's falls somewhere in the gray area for sure. You know what it is? It's it's the it's the, it's like the sleeve. It's the, it's the baldy fade. It's just... It doesn't fit the prototype of the typical white Duke player. But when I was at Duke and I had the Caesar cut, you know, and the and the and the this, the, the shirtless uh, sleeve underneath uh, t- T-shirt, like I, I was definitely, I definitely fit the mold. I definitely fit the mold. I feel like I've gotten as I've gotten further and further away with most people, but maybe not Duke fans, but with most people, I've like disassociated myself somehow with Duke, not intentionally at all. Mm-hmm. And it's not my own doing. Like, but people are like, "Oh, that's right, that guy played at Duke a long time ago." I used to hate him, but I like his podcast. But I like his podcast now. Yeah, you've over (laughs) you've overcome that. Like, and I'm not even fucking around. Like, people used to hate you. You know what it is about you? You've played so long, and you're so visible, and also now you're vocal. Is that people like get to know you? And I wonder how many Duke guys. We had this conversation a while ago with Titus and Tate, and I was saying Duke. I feel like really takes it on the chin unnecessarily with some of the guys that played there. There's actually a lot of cool guys that played at Duke. It's just this, and I, this is me as a Virginia guy saying this. So, well, it's it's the one and done has changed things too. It's now the semesterhood yeah. as opposed to the brotherhood. The semesterhood. We, uh, <laughs> it, it it was it was easier to dislike the guys who were there for four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's the most Duke guy of all time in your eyes, JJ? Uh, don't you know, like, and who's the least uh, Duke guy of all time? Not excluding yourself. The most Duke guy of all time. These have to probably, be Duke guys. Yeah, they'd probably be Chris Collins or Steve Wojciechowski. Okay. Those are the those are the most Duke guys to me. <laughs> and I, I love those guys. They're like brothers to me. But literally, mm-hmm. like when I think of a Duke basketball player, like I think of like a generic white guy. Yeah. <laughs> at least like my generation and below you know and now like we're like you know we recruit differently um you know the one and done thing like i don't even know who's on the team half the time i i I, like i i used to watch every game 
until about like five years ago. And I'm just like, I can't keep up with the roster turnover. It's too much, man. It's too, and I love Duke. I love Duke. And actually, I'm going to uh, I'm try to get it to as many games as possible this year, just with it being K's last year. Like I'm, I'm a Duke fan for life. I've been a fan since I was eight years old. Um, so a lot of my like opinion of, of uh, Duke is based on 90s Duke basketball. And when I think of a Duke basketball player, I think of those two generic white guys. Totally, totally. I, and, you know, Cave Springs guy, plucked him from Virginia, easily could have been a, a, a Wahoo. We were guessing off camera here about where you would fit perfectly if you weren't a Duke guy. Now, mm. now, oh, with, I'm just saying, if I had to picture him, and you know how they do those edits, like after a guy maybe signs with a team, like 55, 17 year olds are like clout chasing on on IG with an, a, a bad edit. I want to put him in an NC State uniform. I was, but I, I was think, picturing wow, right? with wow. with the fade and with the sleeve is how I saw. Well, it. yeah, I could see him now like that, but I could also see him with puka shells. Did you ever have puka <laughs> shells, JJ? I feel like no you doubt. lived in a puka shell. No yeah, era. We lived in we lived in that era. Don't don't what say you didn't ever. Wear I never had puka that. shells. Never owned them. I swear to God, I wasn't cool enough. That's the oh thing. Gosh. I wasn't cool enough. I missed the boat, and I feel good about it, dude. I had other stupid things. There's a picture of me that still lives somewhere on the internet. It, I would. I'm taking a picture with one of my friends at Duke, uh, a co-ed, and I'm wearing a, a purple button up uh, <laughs> with the collar open, white white shells. <laughs> And um, I, I, I appear, honestly, I appear to be hammered in the photo. I think the photo was taken like mid blink, I think. Allegedly. Because I was not, I know the night. I was not, I was not drinking that night. So I don't know if you remember in the dawn of the internet, Tommy, but they had drunkathletes.com. Of course. Like that was the thing where Were you Were you really, ever on there? No, I mercifully maybe once, but I, uh, but for me, I feel like it's the whole brand conversation. If you worry about your brand all the time, you have to keep this like, you know, but if you just look fucked up wherever, whenever you leave the house, <laughs> they're not going to put you on drug athletes. They'll be like, this guy's not that famous and he always looks this drunk. When did that stop? So I don't know. I think it's, it happened when the internet changed from like, hey, let me head over to drunkathletes.com and you had to type in www, you know, dot drunkathletes.com. Like now everybody's got social. So like now, yeah, you just go on Twitter and you just put in JJ Reddick drunk and something will inevitably come up. There'll be a whole roster of things you can put that in. Macon's putting it in. You know, you know who used to be a star on that site? Steve Nash. Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to get drunk with them so bad as a teenager. Maybe I was in my early 20s, too. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, these guys would be the perfect guys to party with. Also, Kyle Orton had a fucking good run on that site. Was Cutler, was that was that pre-Cutler? Cutler's another guy. Cutler's only going to end up on drunkathletes.com if he has a, a death stick in his mouth, if he has a heater in his mouth. Like, he set the bar so low for it. Like, and here's the thing about Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler's got perfect hair. Jay Cutler dresses impeccably, and he still finds a way to look <laughs> fucked up sometimes, which is incredible. When I look drunk, it's like it's not really an in- incredible feat at all. He just always looks annoyed. That's the other thing. Because always, he is. No matter what, he's, he's constantly annoyed. He I, have a, I have a question for Tommy and Macon, actually. So mm. you, you guys know a lot of people, clearly. and I know Tommy knows everybody, but if you could pick one athlete to tie one on with, who would that athlete Living? be? Living? Living yeah, does living. he have to actually get drunk and have fun and let loose? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, you both people are are, are drunk. Oh, both this, is a, this is a good question. Damn. 
I feel like we need to do one of those drafts. I think a draft was born. An old man in the three draft was born right here. And I expect an invite because I got some answers for you. Actually, this is a great draft topic. Maybe we should should save this for the They came on the pod just to hype it. No, we're not saving this. Everybody needs to know where the idea came from. It came from you, but on the green light pod. Let me ask you you a question for context. Is... are we doing anything? Are we at a bar? Is is part of? Oh the- my gosh! Yes, you've got a whole night out. Yeah, you're going, so, going, hey, you're going to a bar. So you're going to a bar. You're going to a bar. You're going to dinner. You're going to an okay. after party, and then you're going to end up at four. I don't even know what club is open in New York anymore. But when I used to go to clubs, you ended up four a.m. at one. One Oak. <laughs> yeah. Studio 54. <laughs> hey, listen, I would be asshole. in Studio 54 with John Riggins so fucking just, I would be living it up with John Riggins. With Riggo, dude. And I, here's the thing. I've been in an event with Riggo. It just, we weren't in the right place for me to be like, hey, do you want to get fucked up? NBA division, it. I'll take Nikola Jokic with my with my first pick. <laughs> That's a good like Just that. some potato vodka. Yeah, yeah no, I don't brother- have to worry about anything. The brothers got to be there, though. Oh, yeah. Hey, those brothers, man. <laughs> Let me tell you something about those brothers. They could have been in any Vin Diesel movie. Just the guy that Vin Diesel is afraid of, that he respects, that he doesn't want to tussle with. Those were his brothers. Hey, what is it about the Eastern European thing in the NBA? Because I was going to ask you this. It's like, I feel like the hit rate is higher on Eastern European cats now. Is that because the game has changed to suit their games? Or has something changed about way, the way, like, we're looking at players, you know, the Balkan boys, all the guys at the table in the, the pandemic. This is actually, this is a terrific question, Chris. Thank you. This is a, but a constant theme on our podcast is when I ask Tommy a question, he never fucking answers. Right. So I'm not going to let you got to give me, you didn't, you didn't give me a chance to answer Chris. He was going to answer. I was looking out. We, 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 on the show and we, Chris just changes the topic. Well, I, I changed the topic. Here he is with like uh, hosting one on one, motherfucker. Uh, the guy with the books is hosting. All right. No, no, so, Tommy. Tommy was relieved. Tommy was relieved. I have that an he answer. Didn't have, oh, what's the an answer? No, no. Give me your answer because I just want to let my uh, sidekick talk first. Sidekick. Yeah. The I fuck? Have yeah, dude. We're in the I, fucking. Pi- we're co-pilot needs the pilot. Pilot needs the co-pilot, yeah. dude. Yes, I gig. The second number two in command. I here's nah, my answer. Dude. But I feel like Chris will have firsthand experience in this, and so he's gonna tell me whether this is a bad pick. But my pick would be Gronk. Because <sighs> this is why I'm gonna tell you why. Because you have to make sure A, the person can have fun. There yeah. are a lot of there are a lot of stars that just are not necessarily fun people to hang out with. They're good athletes. Gronk is definitely fun. Gronk will get us in anywhere, no questions asked. <sighs> two of us show up, it'll be like it'll be, it will be aggressive. You know, I'm not. I'm sure I'll be feeling it for the next week. I don't want aggressive. I want aggressive in my own way, and I want some stimulation. I'm not saying Gronk and I can't talk about like geopolitics or like. I guess my point is like if we're getting if we're getting drunk, like I don't need to have a serious conversation with him. Okay. If you're like, who do you want to have dinner with? Gronk wouldn't be my number one. Pick. Honestly, getting fucked up is like we're getting we're going on a journey together, bro. And maybe like you guys are stopping it just the but we're gonna. I yeah. want to have a. I want to go on a like a. Well, who's yours then? Jo- I told you, John Riggins, and part of hosting is listening here, Tommy, because I went on this whole tirade about John <laughs> Riggins, and I'm nobody not asked hosting, me. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I knew wait, if Tommy wait, was coming wait. on here. I was gonna give a bunch of shit. Wait, but, where's JJ? What's JJ's answer? I, I actually, there's two scenarios that I've, I've played out in my head here. All right. So the first scenario, I, like I've known LeBron since we were 15, Yeah. but that, that guy's, that guy's recently got, he's always been a wine guy, but he recently got into burgundies, which I, I'm a burgundy guy. Ooh. So being at like, like a fancy restaurant and drinking just Supreme 
red burgundy with him, I think is is number one. The second one, this scenario to me would be just a ball of fun. New Orleans is the best place to have a good time yeah. in America. That's my opinion. But to go out with Peyton and Eli, a full day of just debauchery in oh, New Orleans, I'm in on that. They'd be I'm great. They're great day drinkers. You can tell by the look on their faces. <laughs> you can tell by the clothes they wear. Like they're one iota away from just being fucked up on Bourbon Street, but can still do commercials. They're amazing. Yeah. I would love yeah. to get drunk with those guys. Yeah, I was asking you about, uh, what was it? Eastern, yeah, European, Eastern players, European players. Eastern yeah. European players. Has the game changed to suit them, or have they changed to suit the game because the hit rate seems higher? I, I, here's the deal. I think there's there's a couple things. Number one is just the globalization of basketball. And I, I guarantee you in 20 years, you're going to see uh, an even larger influx of players from Africa with this new African Basketball League, uh, you know, obviously, I, I played with Joel. I played with Luke, Luke and Bob Mute. So there's been a bunch. So I think it's just the globalization of the game. That's going to be a hotbed uh, in the future. You think about early 90s, late 80s, when these European guys first started coming over. That's sort of the timeline. We're like 20, 30 years out now. And then secondly, I think it's just there's a cultural thing. Luca and I talked about this a bunch, actually. They They just there's no bullshit with them. They're just like about basketball. They don't get caught up in all the other bullshit that comes with being an NBA player. Um, they're great teammates. Everybody says Jokic is the best. Everybody says Giannis is the best teammate. I, I spent two months with Luca. He's a he's a bro. He's a bro. He's playing cards with us. He doesn't isolate himself from the team. To me, that goes a long way in building camaraderie. And and it, it that shit matters on the court. It matters on the court. And I think to your point about the game evolving. We are a skill-based game now. Right. It's skill-based game. And these guys are over there. They're playing professional at 14 years old. They're in the gym every day, getting proper coaching, proper training, all that stuff. Um, so it kind of makes sense that this is sort of the time period where, look, Luka's going to win an MVP someday. Jokic just won one. Giannis won two in a row. Like this is, you know, these European guys is what they're doing now. Well, I was, I was going to ask you from the experience standpoint, another uh, example of this who's still playing is Bogdanovich in Atlanta, who I don't think the casual fans necessarily knew very much about before this year because he was in Sacramento, but like that dude just been ready. You could see it in game one of that series before he got hurt. It's like that he's played in a ton of big games. So he's not scared of the moment at all. Right. No, they, these guys are men. They're come over. They played against men. They, they played in, you know, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. They played in these huge games uh, in front of big, you know, incredible fans and it's like for them to play 82 nba games where they don't have to practice every day like they do in europe like right. this is probably easier for them to be honest with you and you know dudes are gonna try you i mean like you just know yeah. it like you know and i just i feel like luca when i watch him it became readily apparent pretty quickly that he's like nah dude like yeah i'm not that guy you're not that guy you know the, the guy on the internet right now it's just it's fun to watch and it feels like Definitely the toughness that exists in that part of the world and the things that they've seen, like, you know, you're hearing about the, the stories of some of these war-torn countries and all that type of thing. It yeah. becomes cliche, but at the same time, I mean, they bring that that kind of, you know, that, that gravitas with them of I've been through some shit and I'm not worried about a guy chirping me on the court. No, that's, you're 100% correct. And we had, uh, you know, we had Nick Vucevic. He's another example of one of those Eastern European guys. Like, they're, they're, they've, I, I've played with him his second year when I was in Orlando. As a young player, you could already see right away the skill level, but the mental toughness was there. Yeah, you know, and and Luca, like, look, those guys for the last two years in the playoffs, 
LA has the Clippers have some tough players. They have some some big, you know, strong, uh, tough wings like like Marcus Morris and Kawhi and PG and like he. There's no back down from him whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's been fun to watch that Mavs uh, Clippers series that you guys, you know, have been in now the Mavs two years in a row. It, like, feels like a little rivalry to me, a little bit. No doubt. Is there any chance that American football ends up mattering anywhere else in the world the way it does here? I don't know. I don't know that it does. It takes so much infrastructure. Um, it takes so much, like, because it's the ultimate team sport, and, you know, ideally you want guys playing different sides of the ball. The numbers have to be high. We've struggled to get youth football at the numbers that we, you know, like my high school, eight-man football at this point. A wow. number of states have had to deal with more of that number bottoming out that, um, that ends up really crippling the sport. I do think in America there will always be good players because the demand is so high. And there is kind of a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But if you're like a kid growing up in Italy, like what's the, like how's football going to bring you out of poverty? How's it going to get you a scholarship to play? Now, Virginia, we have a couple, like we have a German kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some international kids. So that's creeping into the game. But I think in our lifetimes, it'd be hard to see something like that happening, which I think is so interesting because the African players as well, and that's another market too that's kind of doesn't get talked about as much as the Eastern European market. I wonder who maybe played 20 years ago that you think of that comes to mind that if they played now, they would have had more success coming from that part of the world because, because of the changes in the game and the globalization of the game. You know, rest in peace. Drazen Petrovic, like he was a great player. I think he made third team all, all, uh, all NBA and all NBA when he was with New Jersey, I want to say, mm-hmm. um, but like he would be a superstar, you yeah. know. Like Tommy brought up Bogdanovich from uh, from the Hawks. He's right. Drazen was him on steroids, you know. He was a, he was a supersized version of him. And to have for for him to play in today's NBA where he could take ten or twelve threes a game, oh my god, yeah, he would average 30, 35 points a game. There's no doubt he was he was unbelievable. And I only got to see him play for like I mean I was young. I only got to see him play for like a year. What I remember. Um, so a lot of it's based off just old YouTube stuff, but he was, he was amazing. And, and if you ask anybody from that era, they'll probably say the same thing. Like he was a little bit ahead of his time. Yeah. It's kind of a shitty thing to be in a sense. Trey young, Luca, like now people are naturally making it this thing. Like, well, Trey got his team to the Eastern conference finals. Look at him. Like, so therefore, you know, the Mavs should have picked Trey and not made the trade. Break it down for me. When somebody's making a decision, at the top of the draft, you're trying to nab a generational player. The impetus to do that in the NBA draft is higher than in the NFL, it feels like. I mean, because that's like what you expect. Trey, Luca, can't they help their teams in different ways? And if they swapped, I mean, bring me behind the curtain when it comes to do we just pick best available player or does Trey fit better here and Luca vice versa, that sort of thing? You've heard the phrase. Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, it does take it out. You of know, it. I think I think when we, in our own individual lives, like in a in a very micro way, like when we start comparing ourselves to other people, we lose a sense of joy. And I think if we look at in a macro way from like NBA fandom, why can't we just enjoy them both? Right. Why why is it one or the other? But you're you you nailed it. If you have a top three or four pick, you're not you're not drafting based on need. You're like, I need to nail this pick and draft somebody who's going to be a, a multiple-time all-star, an all-NBA level player. And it's, look, 
Tommy and I talk about this all the time, but like teams miss a lot. Drafting is hard. If I, if, if I ever become, you know, a, a front office executive, I, I think my, my whole emphasis will be on the player's mental makeup because to, to be a star, you obviously need talent, but to, to really be a star, to, to last, to have a 13, 14, 15 year career and play at that level for so long, you have to be in love with the game. And I think some of the misses are that. It's not that they missed on saying, oh, this, this guy's got talent and he's got potential and he's, he can do all these things on a basketball court. It's like, does he really love the game? And I don't know how you figure that out for an 18 or 19 year old kid, but give me an hour in a room with the kid. Let me talk to him. And I, I bet you I can break that down. I bet you I can break that down. Do you feel like that, like now the way coaches are becoming, and it's important that we include, you know, as many ex players, I'm sure, into the equation as possible. I mean, who knows the game better than those guys? I mean, a lot of these coaches spend their entire lives, and you've had great coaches who didn't play. I know it's not, I don't know, a mitigating factor, but do you think we're going to a place where just traditional basketball coaches who didn't play are going to have a hard time getting into the business? I don't. Okay. Coaching coaching requires acumen, and uh, I think more than that, it requires interpersonal skills. So if you have interpersonal skills and you did not play in the NBA, you're going to be just fine. Right. You're going to be just fine. You can coach at this level. Tommy and I talk about the Grizzlies. This we become like a, a Grizzlies podcast, I feel like, over the last two months. And like Taylor Jenkins, the guy didn't play in the NBA. You know, right. he's done an amazing job there. And so, yes, you're going to have guys who didn't play in the NBA that get forced out of a job or get fired. And, and the star player is going to be say, I, I want somebody, I want somebody who's, who's played in the, who's played the game, who's played in the, at the NBA level. But ultimately what you're going to find is the, the coaches who have basketball acumen and interpersonal skills. Those are the ones that are always going to get head coaching jobs, keep head, co- head coaching jobs, and, and then potentially get, you know, a second job, a third job. If, you know, inevitably all coaches get fired except for well, guys Sp- like pop. So was like that in Miami too. Yeah, yeah. Spoke well, is a great game. example. Spo, like, spoke. I mean, from my TV set, he carried the stigma of like, look at this guy; he's a video guy. Like, and I'm sure there was a process down there in Miami where Pat, if it weren't for Pat, like, probably being like, this is my guy, would have been harder for him. And Rick Carlisle was like that yeah, until JJ Rick, came Rick along like and forced JJ. him out. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, that yikes. is unbelievable. Where are you headed next, bro? Are you gonna break it right here? Where are you headed next, bro? Did we have a decision. Some no, sort. there's no there's social no ready decision. just in case. <laughs> you have my edit ready. My edit. <laughs> hey, have you had too good a career to become John Shire's Nate James when he makes that phone call? Uh, I would. I. I would. I would. I would. I would do anything for Duke. I really would. Um, anything. Yeah, no, I would. I would do anything. Like if 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 coach called or if, you know, you cut uh, your hand off for Duke. No, I mean like if they needed something, like I, I would, oh. I would, st- I would probably step. I would at least consider almost anything in a serious way stepping up. I'm, I'm not in a position right now where I can coach. I I, I want to play a little bit more, but also, I, I like my kids are young. I don't want to have that lifestyle <laughs> right now of coaching. I want to raise my kids and and be around. Uh, I've missed. I mean. Chris, I was away for my, my boys are getting ready to turn seven and five, yeah. and I was away from them for six months from thanks from day after Thanksgiving until I got home ten days ago. I wasn't I wasn't around them. 
you know, and it's, it was so hard. It was so hard. It's terrible. And you want to play a couple more, huh? We'll see. Okay. We'll (laughs) We'll see. see. So you're going to be coming up on 40 soon, which is like incredible. Uh, I don't know when this pod is coming out. I'm turning. So they were recording this on Tuesday, 20. Well, you got three more years, right? Yeah. I I'm turning 37 on, uh, on, uh, Thursday. Dude, it's fucking soon. You can try to like, it's coming, dude. We'll be, we'll be dead before you know it. Okay. Look at, look at us. We look old as shit. We don't know it because we're old and we're used to it. But look at this zoom bunch of grown men here. You're going to be 40 in the NBA at some point. Hopefully I get to watch you play in your forties. Who's the guy that you played with at some point in your career that you were like, I respect the grind of this old man. Like, cause I see him in the cold tub. I see him struggling to get out there and get shots off night after night. Who's the guy that you remember? You're like, man, that guy was grinding. It's, it's such a ran, it's such a random player. Cause he, he, I think he played for like 11 teams, but we, I was with Anthony Johnson at the end of his career in Orlando. And you talk about a guy who just loved playing basketball, Mm -hmm. like this guy, like he would, he would practice every day. He'd get his work in. Then he'd play pickup with whoever wanted to play afterwards. He'd play ones. Like he's like 35, 36 at this point. Body's not working the same way. (laughs) And, and he's going after it. And then right after him was white chocolate was Jason Williams. Oh yeah. And Jason, he had problems in both his feet. He couldn't run. He had no running motion anymore. He yeah. was just shuffling along. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Jason, I, Jason does two things. He golfs every day. And to this day, he still plays basketball every day. Like he just, that, he did just it, it's infectious. His love of the game is infectious. And so those two guys. White Chocolate respects the dress code at country clubs and all that shit. Bro, I was literally, I was, I just came from hitting, hitting balls at yeah. uh, my club yeah. and one of the pros there plays with him all the time. Yeah. And he, I mean, look, he comes up, he's got, you know, neck tattoos, hand tattoos, whatever. Yeah. Like he gets in every club. We were, he was just talking, Jason, Jason plays, uh, the Grove, what is it? The Grove 23, which Michael Jordan's course in Florida. Oh, he was I just, know. we just got into pro, golf. Yeah. This pro was playing with him down there just like two days ago. So they were like, Jason, get, in Jason jorts, gets in wherever man. he wants. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So Philly, you've played there. I've played there. You play basketball there. I play football there for people that, that are listening uh, and, and maybe don't know, but if you, you watch the basketball game Sunday night, it got tense uh, at Wells Fargo. They basically uh, blew the series. It's the way I looked at it. When you see an implosion like that, and maybe the Hawks are just better. Maybe we don't give the Hawks enough credit for how they built around Trey Young. I mean, I, I personally believe that. But the things that the Sixers did that they could control down the stretch in that series is incredibly disheartening when this is supposed to be the end of the process. Like, this is supposed to be... So you've been there for part of the process. You're seeing this exit. Is it salvageable? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of lead this into something Tommy and I were talking about. I'm going to let Tommy kind of take part of this. And because we were talking earlier, like this playoffs for whatever reason seems more like the war of attrition than any other year I can remember because yep. of the injuries. Yep. And t- t- Tommy can just talk about this, but like it's 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 hard to sort of judge whether it's Brooklyn or or Philly. Yeah, think about think about who's left standing, and think about the quality of players that have gone down even in the last three weeks. Even Philly, even Philly with Joel. I mean, yeah. Joel's. Joel's playing on with one knee. Yeah, but jo- the problem in Philly is that Joel's the one that's got to create everything, in my opinion. I mean, in my dumb basketball head, like, I see Ben Simmons is the elephant in the room, right? Everybody's talking about Ben Simmons, but how many guys can create their own shot on that team? Well, the, I think the unfortunate, in, in defense of Philly, the unfortunate thing, like Seth was, in, was great 
this entire series. Yes, he was. Seth, Seth, I mean, Seth was really great the entire playoffs. Seth was great. Tobias had, at a seven-game series, Tobias had four or five really strong games. Like, you just have to, like, the Hawks played their ass off. I mean, Kevin Herter came in his first game seven and Okay, but a big points. part of this thing is Ben Simmons. And a big part, I know, like, I'm not trying to put JJ in a position where, like, listen, you're a great shooter. You see his shot. The shot, like, his offensive production, because he's a great player in so many ways. If he wasn't, if you weren't seeing this positive trajectory, you wouldn't have broke him off. So, like, it's the rare situation where you, you have, what did you call it before? Distressed asset. And you've already paid him in basketball, which seems more more predictable than football. Like you know what I mean? In football, there's so many reasons that you can get hurt, decline in skill, like all that stuff. But I, I you just rarely see a player hit a wall. And I wonder is that mental? Is it fixable? Hey JJ, if you're the shooting coach, maybe you don't want to say this, but how would you fix a shot like that? Right. I, l- l- well, let's talk about Ben for a second. So, yeah. so first of all, in, in, to your comment about there's no one on Philly that can create their own shot besides Joel, the numbers would say that that Ben creates more three-point opportunities and more mm-hmm. three-point makes than any other player in the NBA. And I, I don't remember the exact st- statistical breakdown. Yeah, we don't do numbers. But, so. but it's, it's by a lot. Yeah. It's by a lot. So he is creating, but he's creating in his own way. Right. I think Doc kind of alluded to this earlier in the season. I always say this about Ben. It goes back to the comparison thing. Like we want, we all want Ben to be something he's not. Let's appreciate who he is. Right. Okay. Specifically, let's talk about this series then. Like I feel, I feel bad for Ben. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs of what that locker room was like, or what that team was like, or what he's going through personally. But I have to think back. Like your beginning of the year. Your name is dangled in, in trade rumors. You're offered up for James Harden. You just signed a max extension. Right now, all of a sudden, you're offered up for James Harden. That's gotta. That's gotta do something to you, right? Um, you know, you're. You, he went through some personal stuff this year. That's gotta do something to you. The Philly fan base is relentless. Yeah, <laughs> you know this. It's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of toll does that take on you? I don't know. It, if every guy's yeah. different, some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. I don't know what it what that did to Ben. I don't. Look what happened um, to Fultz down in Orlando, right? He turned his shit around a pretty good yeah, at a pretty good click yeah. relative to what was happening yeah. up there. But also, but also these a lot of these series are matchup based, and it's it's always weird to me. I mean, maybe like fans don't want to hear this, whatever. But it's always weird to me when like everyone's first reaction is to just like shit on somebody all the time rather than give credit to either the other winning team or the coach that like. I mean, I'll give you an example in the Dallas series in the Dallas Clippers series. Chris Stapps didn't have uh, the greatest series, but that's because the way the, the way the Clippers set up that small lineup, it didn't give him an opportunity to be in the best position to succeed. It doesn't mean he's not a good player. You know, no, Chris I mean, welcome, welcome to sports in 2021. Unfortunately, we signed up for this. Like, we always dissect the bad first, and that's, yeah. you know, I think, I like, I'm the same way as you, JJ. I felt bad for, and Tommy, I bet you might feel the same way. I felt bad for Ben Simmons because we just have crossed a a threshold in sports where because of access to athletes and people just being frustrated and that sort of thing, like we are legitimately not treating this cat like a real person. Totally. No, but, totally. but I would, I would, I want to say something to what Tommy just said about KP about Kristaps. Yeah. I, I told Kristaps this the day after the series and I didn't want to tell him this during the series. Cause I don't, I don't like fucking with guys, you know, heads or whatever, but I, I had a series, my last series with LA it was the worst probably playoff series of my career. We played the Utah jazz and it didn't matter where I was on the court. 
they were top locking me, essentially right. face guarding me. Didn't matter if I was on the other side of the court, just inside half court, anywhere I was, they were just complete top lock. Right. And after game one, Doc says to the team, he's like, JJ, this isn't your series. This isn't your series. Your role this series is to stand in the corner and space the floor. That's right. it. We're playing four on four. I, I had like, I had games that series where I took like, f played 30 minutes and took four shots. And, right. uh, you know, and I was the third option on that team. And I, at the time, I was so frustrated. And the same, the same fucking thing happened to KP. You know, game after game one or game two, I can't remember what it was. You know, Rick was just like, look, this isn't your series. Like, we just need you to space the floor. And so, you know, he's getting relentlessly ridiculed by fans, social media, the media itself, you know, and it's like, well, we're not, we're not doing anything to help the guy. He doesn't, ha he's not bringing the ball up the court. Right. Right. And it, it, it brings me to a second point, just about guard play in general in the playoffs. Like you need a guy that's going to set the table. You need a Luca, you need a Trey young, you need a guy, your best player, you know, and this is where I think Philly at times, I think gets, you know, maybe a little behind the eight ball is Joel's their best player, but he's not the guard. Jokic is kind of the exception because of the way he plays, where I think he can be the best player. Um, and, and Joel can be the best player in a championship. I have no doubt of that. But that's where I think that there's there's some struggle. And if the other team plays it right, to Tommy's point, if the other team plays it right and the matchup's right, they got a good chance to beat a team like that. Philly's the worst place probably to lose a series like that, right? Okay. Like, it's the best but, place to win a series or a football game, but it's the worst place to lose or lose a series, especially like that. What's the best place to lose a series like that? Like, a <laughs> have you ever lost a series where guys were just staring at each other in the locker room? Like, you know, because I feel like that was that kind of series last night. Guys were yeah. just staring at each other. Like, what the fuck just happened? And probably it's less confusing if you really break it down the way you put it. Well, I actually had the same thought last night. You know, they're getting booed at the end of the game. Yeah. They're getting booed. And I thought back to my time in Philly, and I'm like, thank God the two years I was there, we lost. We mm -hmm. ended our season in Boston, mm -hmm. and we ended our season in Toronto. Because mm -hmm. I don't – I would – I mean, there was a moment – there was a stretch my my second year there. I hit this really weird three-week stretch. Like, I couldn't make a shot. And right. I'm like – I'm not like a slump guy. I'm like, dude, I shoot – two for 10. Like my thought is like the next game I'm shooting eight for 12. If I don't do it the next game, the next game, I don't, I just, I, like, I don't get caught up in it, but for some reason I had this three week stretch and fans like started coming at me a little bit and like, I couldn't help it. I'd be like, Oh you, fuck yourself. I would go back at these people. Yeah. But you didn't feel slumps. No, I feel like it's such a baseball player thing. And we were talking about this, our friend, Joe Harris, who's in Brooklyn. And yeah. you talked about being the third option. He became yeah. like one of the primary options for that team. And he's like, He's missing shots, but at the same time, the frequency with which he's having to hit him and also in the situations, I feel like might be different because of all the injuries. So you've been through a Joe Harris situation. Oh, yeah. So what do you do to get out of it? I, I told Tim Hardaway this. He was going through a stretch, and he ended up finishing the season unbelievable. And it, it's not because of what I told him. It's because he literally works his ass yeah. off and has supreme confidence. But he asked me, he's like, what, you know, what, when you're, when you have a slump, like, what do you tell yourself? Like, what do you, how do you get out of it? And I'm just like, I, this, my mantra is literally eight for 12. Like if you, if I take, if I, if I'm in a slump, if I go two for 10 in the next game, I go, you know, three for 13. I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot 12 times. If I take 12 shots that I can make, and I, I'm only taking, I only take shots I can make. So I take some ridiculous shots, but I know I can make them. If I take 12 shots I can make, I'm going to make eight of them. 
Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what the defense does. Like I'm going to make eight of them. And so you just have to take that mindset into, into the next game. You can't get caught up in like what has happened. It's just got to be like, I'm going to make eight for 12 this next game. And dude, swear to God, I've, I, I'll go back. I'll find some shit, but I'll yeah. go back and look at game logs and I'll be like, yo, like I was three for 13, this game, the bounce back game, dude, I had so many eight for 12 games. For 12. It's, it's fucking insane. 12. It's insane. How do you get over a bad pod? And this is not one, but I'm saying like you two working together. I know there's days where you're like, one of you hates the pod. The other doesn't hate the pod, or maybe you both hate the pod. We have them here. What's the, what's, what happens in old man and three when y'all just drop a dump? Well, I was going to say, generally, if one of us is in a bad mood, generally it's JJ. We just don't do the pod. We just don't, there's no reason to record a bad pod. Uh, so we just something don't do, to we think just, about. We just push Probably it. We just, like, why the fuck yeah. would we like record this when like either something's going on or just like it's just not the right day? We just push it. Like nothing is nothing is like. Man, hyping. that's cool. When we become heavy hitters like you two, we'll fucking just push <laughs> pods. But yeah. we're a total subscription based like kind of. Nah, we're, we're on, volume, we're shoot, on a, we're volume on shooters. Yeah. How many episodes have we done, JJ? Sixty two. Yeah, we recorded our sixty third this morning. Yeah, sixty three for sixty three. Yeah, we've been we've been going since August. I mean, I yeah. feel like we're put like we we generally have one in the in the can, so, so to speak. We we've evergreen one almost every mm-hmm. week, so we we have the luxury sometimes of pushing the pod. Um, I you know, I think since we started OM three, like since we started Old Man of the Three, we we've had mostly makes. We haven't had many misses. I can probably name on one hand the misses, and I, I'm not going to throw no, the yeah, guest or myself under the bus. Yeah, one of them was a former NFL player that came on and drafted and <laughs> yeah. hated hated and the was, topic. And, and made, was what baked, was that topic it was baked, again? It was baked on gummies. It was what baked was on topic? gummies. What was the topic again? <laughs> it was best movie deaths. Yeah, it was Carlitos and, Way. You were so up in arms no, about was, fucking no, Carlitos Way. It was no. We changed it to something best else. Movie best movie endings. It was best movie, best movie, best movie endings. endings. Well, we yeah. did that ending, scene we, on the train. How can we, you forget? But we were originally going to do deaths, and you only wanted to do it because of your dad, which okay. is a good reason. Got kicked out of a train re- by Christian Slater. Yeah. We talked about it last week. That's his claim oh. to fame in the acting world, guys. I want to come on your pod to finish that get drunk with an athlete thing. We do honestly. I want to bring my friend here. So oh, we I'm can just, do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, 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 do doing crossover. we're doing this. Hey JJ, do you get hey, pissed off when you see J period J period because they're not initials? Yeah. So two pet peeves with my name. Number one is when they put two D's on it because it's never been spelled that way. It's only ever been spelled with one D. I used oh, to write J period J period like when I was in high school. Mm. And uh, and then at some point yeah. early in my professional career, I was like, dude, why do I put periods there? That's <laughs> stupid. So then I'm like, now I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty fervent about correcting people. Like, no, there's no periods, or no, there's only one day. I called there's this place uh, in Sag Harbor called Estia's Little Little Kitchen. It's like got the best breakfast and brunch food. So I called earlier this morning and I uh, made an order for my wife. She was coming to pick it up. And and she said, What's the name of the order? I said, JJ. She said, JJ, okay. So she was Jason. Jason, great. Oh. And I'm like, I'm not going to explain this. Dude, explain yeah, it's this. just too much back and forth. And by the way, J's. if you're it's going to dinner J's. with uh, JJ Reddick, evidently, no periods. Be careful if he calls ahead, because I heard on one of these big late night shows that like you don't you, you the reservation <laughs> your reservation game is oh, is kind of oh sketchy. God. What a, what no. a debacle! That, that is not true. Oh, that is for another Chris, pod. That's for another Chris, pod. That is not true. It's okay, not true. all right, good. It was show business. JJ Reddick, one of our favorites, man, cool dude, great player, and Tommy Alter, who is going to go to Wrigleyville with me for sure. I just don't know which day yet. Soon. Love it. All right, we guys. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Thanks for catch you on the next one. Old man in the three. <laughs> Check him out.
that was good that was fun we do more crossover stuff you know we We're, did we did good and bad we left out ugly let's do ugly i noticed jj referenced tommy a lot there mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then you you sort of just referred to me as your sidekick yeah, that's yeah, stuck, yeah, that yeah, is stuck yeah, with yeah, me yeah. in the last several minutes. Well, you know what's going to be good is when people listen to the podcast, they'll hear right off the bat, "Hey, this is Macon, JJ, mm -hmm. and Tommy." Mm. And then from there, um, yeah, a sidekick is a slang expression for a close companion. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Or a colleague who is or is generally regarded as subordinate to the one they accompany. If you want to pay me at any point, you can pay me. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. It's funny. We, we got to redefine what a sidekick is because when I think sidekick, I think, hey. Equal. We're kicking and you're kicking right on the side of me. We're yeah. kicking together. We're in a karate fight together. Content karate. Sidekick. We're basically in a fight. I'd turn my back and let you fight right behind me. Back to back. And, and one of the reasons why you and I are able to do that is because we're honest with each other. Yeah, that's true. And when I sent you a picture of Where, a blemish here comes, here comes. on my neck yeah. this weekend, <laughs> I believe what you said was Jesus. And um, well, I, I could see Jesus in the, the zit. It was, it was, you know, a lot of people see Jesus in like clouds and in spaghetti. I just saw it in that pimple on your neck. And my lovely wife, as I'm being uh, forced to go out into public, you know, do a couple laps around the farmer's market. <laughs> it's a good thing you don't have to go to World Quest Park City. She uh, says, uh, oh, I can't see it. There's nothing there. I mean, this, I'm going to stick with blemish, my yeah, friend. Yeah, dude, it, you can feel it. It's the type of thing you go get one of those little circle band-aids for just so people. What's the worst place to have is it? Probably, probably Rudolph front of nose oh front of nose isn't great forehead's not great but it also sucks when it's on the corner of your mouth because people are like what you got going on there i'm like it's a zit dude like you know what i mean uh corner of the nose is terrible but i haven't had zits in years yeah do your victory lap let's my victory it. lap is that i don't shave my face i never do so if you're like a norelco come holler rarely do i take that thing down below like seven millimeters there's like a little seven millimeter guard and it protects my face from grease i don't get zits dude well hey clear sill i'm your boy yeah 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 well people aren't doing uh it's it's another thing now reed what is the commercial that everybody's on now is proactive the, proactive mm. you got it it's the main zip medicine which i don't know that i'll be able to say uh after a certain point i think there'll probably be a more proper term for zip medicine but yeah dude uh proactive top of the game maybe we can get a proactive ad for you but you don't get a lot of zits i'm just telling you if you keep the beard you don't get zits but i can't and get yes i, I wash beard. my beard yes i'm clean i'm really clean well and be hydrated that um, doesn't hurt at all oh yeah if you don't if you're not hydrated if you're eating at tgif fridays <laughs> <laughs> which i can't get right if you're eating at that fucking place if you're eating the, when you think about foods that make you just pop a zit, like right away, a zit just pops out of your face, what's your Mount Rushmore of those foods? Um, I'm going I, loaded potato skins, like the scoop, like the ones that they cut them out and then they put cheese and chives and all that in there. Yeah, something, yeah, just fried, fried. chicken. Oh, something just, maybe a blooming onion. Blooming onion. Oh my God. And I would murder a blooming onion right now. Remember we talked about personal blooming onions? Yes. When is that coming? Because I think it's, you're missing out guys. A personal blooming onion. If I could have a personal blooming onion, I would order that motherfucker right here to this podcast right now. Outback Steakhouse, not even on Grubhub.
not even, you don't even have a personal option. I don't want to share a blooming onion with other people. Think about greasy hands and shit. It's one of the biggest design flaws in the Australian culinary scene. It's like a beautiful mansion with a, I don't know. Structural issues. It's a, it's got mold. Mold. Yeah, mold, that type of thing. See, I could, Radon. You say I can't do your job, you could do mine. I could do both. I could do both. Uh, yeah. I could at the very least accentuate your home selling efforts. What were we talking about? Ugly, the zit. Yeah, I'm 34. Yeah. I don't know if, sometimes we lose track. You're quite a bit older than I am. 36. Yeah. I'm 34. I, I thought this would be a thing of the past. Actually, at 34, I thought it would be no hair on the top of the head, but no zits. Here, you want to know the uh, old remedy? Yeah. You got to act 18. Hmm. If you're 34 and you act 34, you get 18-year-old zits. It's reverse psychology for your skin. You got to do things like tubing. You got to do things like drinking beer. You got to do things like going outside. You got to do things like being autonomous and telling you know your family what you want in life. I... Just to, if we could clean up the A block, I, I wanted to be around my family. So I've got that going and I do go outside, you know? And actually I put down two uh, Modellos on uh But I was Saturday. honest with you. And that's another thing is like, if my lovely wife asked me how it looks, I'm gonna tell her, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have a really bad problem. If you ask me a question, I tell you, I tell, I'll tell you. Likewise, and and thank you for your no problem for your honest response. When no problem, don't downplay your friend's zits. Don't do it. Everybody else in their life is downplaying it. That's why they came to you. One time, I think I might have told this. One time, I flew all the way to St. Louis, Missouri, mm -hmm. to watch your sorry ass play football. <laughs> and you opened the door. You can't even come pick a guy up at the airport. You opened the door to your home. There I am, and you just start laughing in my face because I got a big old zit. Honesty is the best policy. And can can I wish Tom Brady would be honest about who he was talking about. I had this written down in the ugly, because it is ugly for whoever is redacted in this situation. Tom Brady went on the barbershop. I'm asking this earnestly. Yeah. Is that the LeBron show? That's the LeBron show. Okay. But I don't think LeBron's on it every time. Okay. I've only watched excerpts on uh, on the internet, and so... LeBron James. LeBron James. So I think the barbershop's a really cool concept. And to be able to draw people like Tom Brady in, I mean, like five years ago, could you imagine something like this? And could you imagine a quote like, this is Sports Center. Tom Brady didn't forget what happened to him during free agency. Eyeballs at ESPN NFL. You, you get great by doing the Michael Jordan thing, okay? So nobody was sleeping on Tom, but a few of these teams evidently were. Uh, one of the teams, and this is a quote, they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking, you're sticking with that motherfucker? He went MF on him. He said motherfucker. He called a quarterback a motherfucker. So the question becomes... So the question is, who was it? Now you look back at the odds for who was going to land Brady, mm -hmm. and the teams mentioned, Bucks, that's where he went, it's not going to be them, Chargers... They had Herbert. It's probably not MFing Justin mm -hmm, Herbert. Mm -hmm. Colts were pretty much all in on Rivers. He's going to respect a guy like Rivers, I would think. And then you got Titans, Niners, Raiders. I don't want to say, I don't think he would call Jimmy Garoppolo a motherfucker. Although that porn star did look kind of old. <laughs> he can do better. Handsome motherfucker. Not, yeah, handsome motherfucker. No slander here. Good for Jimmy G. But like, well, that not so much. But like, Philip Rivers, you're not calling him a motherfucker. 
You're not calling who else? Herbert. Her, Justin Herbert. Nobody's calling Justin Herbert a motherfucker because Justin Herbert is QB like two or three in the league at the end of next year unless he does a big sophomore slump thing. Herbert Herbert's a motherfucker. No, nah, he's a mother. The way you yeah. say that, like JB Smooth uh, said to us, you can say like you you can't believe something, motherfucker. This motherfucker, motherfucker, no. There's a lot of ways you can say motherfucker. No, that Justin Herbert, he's a motherfucker. Motherfucker. That Justin Herbert's a motherfucker. Yeah. That Jimmy Garoppolo's a, that's a mother he's a motherfucker, dude. He he's out there with porn stars at Italian restaurants, like out in the open, like alone in the he's a that guy's a motherfucker, dude. Who's next? Derek Carr. Derek well, let me get to Derek Carr in a second. Philip Rivers, that's a real respectful motherfucker. I don't even know if you can call Philip Rivers a motherfucker. He doesn't fit the bill because he doesn't cuss. Derek Carr. It's down to Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill. And I think probably, if I had to guess here, I think he's talking about Ryan Tannehill. And that's not to say Ryan Tannehill isn't a really good quarterback. I can't talk for Tom, but since Tom, you know, left this hanging out there, of course, people are going to talk about it. I wouldn't call Ryan Tannehill a motherfucker. I have before, but it was on the field. And he wasn't Tennessee Ryan Tannehill. I think he looked at that Tennessee situation, if I had to think like Tom, which I can't, and probably thought that team's pretty damn good. Like, they're going to run the football. You got A.J. Brown on the outside. Before last season, the defense wasn't as bad. You know, I, I think there was a sense at one point that Tennessee didn't like him so much, and he liked Tennessee. And boy, are we glad it worked out if you're a Tom Brady fan because the best team he could have joined was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to be fair to whatever motherfucker he's talking to, they weren't on the Bucks either. And I think it was probably Tannehill. I don't think he was calling Derek Carr a motherfucker. I think the, the emotion was elicited because it stung. Here we are just playing detective, but because it stung, because Vrabes wasn't quite sold in Vrabes, although he's a New England guy and they're on the same page. He's an older New England guy. So part of Tom is always going to probably respect the hell out of Vrabes, and it might have stung that he couldn't go play with his buddy. Yes, or Vrabes was giving him complete transparency, and he's like, hey, I want you, but my hands are tied. The guys upstairs want to stick with Ryan. With this motherfucker. And that's when he goes MF. And Tom's like, you're sticking with that motherfucker? You're sticking with this motherfucker? And then Vrabes is like, no, nah, we're sticking with this, this motherfucker. You know what I mean? And so they had the whole conversation we just had, and it ended with uh, Tom winning a Super Bowl in in Tampa Bay. And some animosity from the pick six, ending the career in New England. So that, that could get you to an MF. That could get you to MF level. That's levels. what I think. I think, I think we're on it here. Yeah. I think if, we, if we're, we're being detectives of the pool of teams that we know of, I think probably Ryan Tannehill is that motherfucker. You motherfuckers have a great week. How many inches do you think this is? Oh, easy, easy. Three foot three inches. Wow. Three foot four. Wow, dude, I'm good at this distance thing. Now, it's true, but I have noticed I usually do about the same distance, so I need to mix it up a little bit. Three four is totally different. You've been doing uh, two seven. It is. It's fairly remarkable. Y'all take care.